Hello. Hey, what's up? This is Ergo. It is indeed. We are here. We're here again. You ever just realize we talk a lot? Yes. We've been doing this for a minute, and we are very, very excited today mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to be celebrating our 200th episode of Ergo. Bra, 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 bra. That means... <laughs> Celebratory. Jungle cat season. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're doing it. That means that you can listen to Ergo for... At least 200 hours? It's way more than 200 hours. I, w- I, w- I would estimate closer to 250. Do you think anyone's done it? No. You don't Absolutely. think there's anyone who's Absolutely to all not. of them? No, this is just going scattered into the ether, <laughs> and we get a few hits here and there. If you've listened to every episode of Ergo, even not into its completion, if you've listened to every, some part of every episode... You deserve something. Please let us know. We will send you a t-shirt. Okay. But we're going to need a screenshot of, <laughs> of your podcast gonna, you know, A book report. Yeah, I need receipts. <laughs> You're going to have to tell me in which episode Damon started calling me Kiss. Ooh. There's a, a little Easter egg. Anyway, <laughs> what we're excited to do today on the air is talk a little bit about where the show is, where we are as people. It's another little check-in. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we have a mailbag episode where we got some past guests to share some questions with us, things that they might wonder about our take on or things that they've been curious about the process, stuff like that. So first, we're going to talk for a little bit to each other, like we do often, mm-hmm. and then we're going to bring in their questions. So let's start where we always start. Uh, how's the world treating you? How are you treating the world, Dame? Whew. I mean, the, the, the world is, is, is treating me abundantly um, or offering the you know, abundant resources that, that I need to first survive. I think we, we need to work on not taking survival for granted and mm-hmm. really sense of that. Uh, but I think I'm also developing my humanity uh, right now. There are needs in order to do that. <laughs> um, and so trying to like remove prosperity from luxury and figure out how I can be prosperous yeah. through my survival and development. And uh, I'm really grateful for, for the space that the world is offering me right now. And how am I treating the world? Uh, I think I'm like giving it a break <laughs> you know i have i have uh big plans for the next like one to three years that will have work that will be ongoing yeah. uh and so i think i've intentionally like only do what i'm needed to do uh only show up like when i feel super compelled or i'm asked uh and not just be like taking for the sake of not just consuming for the sake of like just being very intentional Overall, so yeah, that, that, that's that's the beginning of the answer. I think I I think I'll keep teasing that out throughout yeah. throughout the conversation, but that's where I'm starting at. How about you? How's how's the world treating you, and how are you treating the world? Um, the world's treating me, just treating me. <laughs> it's putting people who love me around me, which has been kind of a saving grace of the last few weeks. I've been, you know, we make this every week, but then the other things that I make in my life are always kind of in flux, and that's part of what's so great about doing this show for 200 episodes is it's that consistency, but it's been kind of a long stretch of trying to like move from the things I can do professionally to the things I want to do mm, and figure out yeah. how to monetize those things and actually have them lead to some stability for me and a future and uh, uh, what a life will look like in a few years and what I hope it does. And so... That's been a really big challenge over the last six months is like, do I continue to bet on myself (laughs) Mm -hmm. and say like, I'm good at what I do and I know how to finagle 
and move and get opportunities to do things that I want to do. Um, and it hasn't culminated in the ways yet that I hope it will. So there have been a lot of moments of doubt and insecurity, and I've gotten really stuck in that. The thing that's pulled me out of that is, one, getting to be out of the city for a little bit, um, but not just escaping from it. Like being around uh, Ricardo Gamboa, who's an Ergo alum, and a close friend who recently left town and mm -hmm. is now living in L.A., and I went out and visited, and just having Ricky to talk through some of this with someone who's kind of had a, a, a wide ranging and wildly uh, circuitous path and is just continuing to figure it out and live by values and also not live in the realm of having to be pure um, mm. and, and make decisions to to keep growing was really helpful just to not just be able to talk about it but also just have that person there and that's someone who I didn't know before we started the show mm -hmm. and I got to know because of this show mm. not every guest is someone who I'm going to become best friends with <laughs> No shade to any of our past guests, but that was definitely the goal at first. <laughs> and it turns out I don't want that yeah, many yeah, friends. Yeah, I'd like that many acquaintances. I like to be acquainted. Yeah. Um. But so that, and then coming back from that trip and celebrating with Rosie another anniversary that lines up with the two hundredth, mm -hmm. uh, which was our three year anniversary and her birthday, and then my parents were here this weekend, and there was a lot of pressure that came with that that I put on myself, you know, because I'm a an anxious human, but. Mm -hmm feeling surrounded by people who love me and who I love is a very comforting feeling. So that's a long way of saying that the world is treating me well because in that world I feel connected to people. And how I'm treating the world, I'm trying to be hungry in the right ways mm, mm -hmm. and not eat the junk food of whatever the, of life. whether that's work, whether that's media, whether that's connections, relationships, all that, like, go for the for the nutritious food. You know what I mean? And and grow it. Ashe. So we have, like, a loose plan here. <laughs> and one of the things that I did not say as we made the plan That's that right. I just realized as I say here is, you know, we talk a lot about gassing up and affirming. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure we do that for ourselves here and, like, find the points of pride of this work because I've, I've really been impacted by people saying they've been impacted by listening to these conversations. But before... We do that. I cannot resist. I have a follow-up question. <laughs> this motherfucker <laughs> I can't over help here. myself. Um, so you, you talked about like, you know, dealing with the anxieties of functioning in the world as we do. And so, you know, I've known you mm -hmm. since 2011. So before we <laughs> before we started doing the show, but you know, we we've know become eight and a half yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. And in these last four, we've become, you know, close working partners, but also very, very good friends. Uh, and, you know, I think we've seen the intimacy of each other's lives in a lot of ways. And that's been something that, you know, you may have completely transformed, at least in how you engage, like internally it might still be there, but at least how you engage the world, how you engage people. Mm -hmm. um, that anxiety that I think you talk about that, like, I think often comes out in a very, like, headstrong, like putting pressure on yourself yeah. type of way. Uh, so I commend you on that growth because I've seen it um, mm -hmm. for the people has there been like process or steps? Is there anything you recognize that's been conscious about some of that growth? Yeah. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Um, if I treated another person the way I treat myself, I would never be friends with me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I'm a very empathetic, giving person, mm -hmm. except to myself. And mm -hmm. I hold myself to a really, really high standard that's like very values driven. And there's no room. If I'm not succeeding there, I'm failing. Mm. and it's just like with all the other shit we talk about it's about breaking down those binaries yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 
you know, I'm lucky, and I talked about this with my parents a lot this weekend, that the, what looks like success to me is not material. Yeah. It's not about how much money I make or how fancy my shit is. Yeah. But it is equally pressured. It's mm. built on living by your values, being independent, knowing who you are and making decisions based on that, and then you can sleep at night. And if you can't sustain that, then in my mind, that turns into failure. Mm. So that's where it, it lives for me right now, and that's what I'm trying to tease apart. It's not even about compromise. It's about, like, what about the times where you come up short? Yeah. How do you not view that as failure? Yeah. So some of it has been externally, it's much easier for me to do that interpersonally and not blame myself. But when it comes to work stuff, that's still a challenge. And then I think just in general... I, you know, I always talk about the cosmic joke and I think it's been really helpful to actually have studied by listening to the people we've had on and a lot of other shows, like, even if it's not part of my like day-to-day spiritual practice, I like know a fair amount about the people who are able to zoom all the way out, Mm -hmm. how they do that. And that is comforting to me and anyone who can't laugh at how absurd this all is i don't want to be around you have to be able it don't live in there you still play the game but you have to be able to say this is important and it's absurd yeah yeah i think you're i think you're embodying something that's not just personal but i think like reflects overall trends and trajectory of like the work that we are Mm -hmm. in conversation with uh because you know 2014 like blm in the obama era pre-trump you know, alt-right, all, it was a, a highly, from our side of the proverbial non-existent fence, uh, it was a highly, like, politically correct time. Hmm. And I think there's something dehumanizing about correctness because it is so absolute <laughs> and so subjective. Uh, and so something, you know, in our conversation, like, I've, I've heard you joke about, like, in times where you were just, like, being an asshole. And, like, that's something I don't think we could have admitted to yeah. ourselves or said out loud or something that, you know, language that you didn't obviously invent or introduce to me, but we just started using in a very intentional way over the last couple months that like I've started around virtue signaling yeah. and like making less space for that. And even if the virtues are righteous, are sincere, um, I just don't have to be presented. Inauthentic signaling yeah. of it actually can be counterproductive. Right. Uh, and so like working past that in our work um, and in ourselves, I think is, is a healthy thing time about right now yeah, yeah. so let, let's go back to the beginning of, let's go back not of everything of the show <laughs> of time yeah <laughs> you know big I, banger out of me where you said you <laughs> either 85 billion years ago or ten thousand years ago <laughs> you told me you gotta choose <laughs> listeners choose your own adventure <laughs> fast forward 35 seconds if you're going the creationism route <laughs> but to that point that i was making about breaking down these binaries mm-hmm. around righteous and you know profane and evil and Mm -hmm. all these things like which ostensibly is what the culture work that we do and a lot of the organizing work Mm -hmm. is supposedly doing Mm -hmm. i think what got really ingrained in me were some new binaries Mm. around like this is how you be good this is how you are not good if you Mm -hmm. don't follow Mm -hmm. these things Mm -hmm. this is how you succeed this is how you fail not in the campaign but like as a human in interaction. And I think about it even in, you know, we do these workshops on communication and we've talked about this a little bit. We're like, if we're not careful, what we're doing is we're 
telling people the right way to talk to each right, other. Right, right. And I don't actually believe there is a right way. And I think some of what we teach happens to line up with some like civility and like the the argument around like you just you know you have to be polite. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that's where we live. I think mm-hmm. we're deeper than that. Yeah. But, but we I to think, make sure that we subvert. Yeah, that, it, there's yeah. there were some things that like are we subverting the way things are or are we just putting new patinas uh, have we erased what's in the boxes and we're just putting new labels mm-hmm, there mm-hmm. so for you what are some newly found binaries <laughs> let's say in the last three years that Ooh. you're trying to uh tease apart for yourself new found binaries that's that's where because i've been i've been like I'm trying to like get less embarrassed about it, but I've been like theorizing and writing a, a lot about like binarism and how do we get to like this place of multiplicity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so trying to trying to break down binaries has been like at the, the front of my mind hmm. um, in like all of its forms. So trying to think of some that, that that go, I mean, this isn't hard. This isn't as deep or profound, but even like in just like mainstream political discussion around like, liberal conservative and democratic and democrat republican power structures one they are not a binary they are a spectrum within themselves Mm -hmm. but two that they are not the whole right that they are a part being portrayed as the whole right and that actually for me and like i'll try to make something more personal after getting this very like big answer for me at this point in this historical moment at least in the united states uh, to be liberal is a conservative act, right? Like it is an expression of the same thing. Yeah, it used to be like being liberal is not good enough, but now it's like, oh no, that is that is all. The Republican debates and the Democratic debates are the same exercise. They have way more in common uh, than than there are different, and they are not the totality right. of thought and of options. There are more than two choices. There are more than three choices. There are more than seven choices. Right. There's an infinite amount of ways that we can like make decisions on how we're gonna collaborate and live together and people make those choices all the time they just don't do it in electoral politics you yeah. know half the country doesn't yeah. vote yeah <laughs> that's a cop-out i should have a much more personal answer <laughs> <laughs> to that question um, that's a panel answer i guess uh mental health binaries hmm. because we call it illness which then like associates to some like high extreme level of dysfunction yeah. that then is like stigmatized just like knowing in day-to-day life that mental well-being like physical health is a spectrum the way most people's cholesterol or BMIs or whatever are a little off uh, there is no like the normal healthy and then the people who need there are people who are most vulnerable in terms of of you know their mental state or their chemical balances or therapy and, and but we are all in some ways dealing with a connected system of trauma yeah. um, and so for myself figuring out a way to accept that right and like not feel guilty about it so because i then don't feel like i'm doomed uh allow myself to process allow myself to have a day and i think one of the things about breaking down this binary of like i am depressed versus i am functional uh is like now when i am struggling i've gotten to a place where it does not carry over to the next morning hmm. right? like and it used to be like dreading to wake up and it would be like a non-stop string there was definitely a moment i uh i would MC to facilitate uh, a space for the mental health movement <laughs> in the city and it was an honor to be there and it, you know it was great and it was beautiful and it was a very vulnerable space uh and so i'm giving all this commentary and doing this right like giving great analysis saying little poems doing a chant all making a joke stuff, yeah. uh and then at the end it was like well you know the, the thing was about telling stories. Uh, and it was like, you know, where should I place my story in this? 
one, am I, do I have language? Am I, am I comfortable? Have I processed? But two, is it appropriate, right? Like people who, who's back to like survival or day-to-day right. function is determined and was drastically impacted when the city shut down. And, and here's a little political thing. You know, there's only one psychologist of all public health in all of Chicago. Serving all of Chicago, there's one public psychologist. Meaning they are paid for by the city. Yeah, so there's like two to three clinics left. <laughs> and of the clinics, there's only one in total for all of Chicago. I would say trauma. we should get them on the show, but I think <laughs> they're, they're probably busy. Yeah, they, <laughs> and they probably suck to be the last guy left. <laughs> Sorry if the guy who, or person, whoever it is, is actually dope and like fight the good fight. Oh, but I'm going to assume God. whoever they left. <laughs> um, by the end of the show, we'll have a referral for you. <laughs> um, so that binary of like well and unwell um, and like living living through that. Um, hmm. Yeah. So let's gas. Yeah. Let's do some gas. All right. What now that we are at 200 like mm-hmm. gives you the greatest sense of pride or what are some of the things like, that give you pride about this work? Because I am extremely proud of it. Yeah, me it's too. It's hard to name though because you get embarrassed. But mm-hmm. Well, that's where the gas comes yeah, in. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a little boost. Yes, yes. Like a jetpack. <laughs> um, what am I proud of? I'm proud we've kept it going. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say when I'm like consulting or talking to people about podcasts, like iTunes is littered with three episode stubs mm-hmm. that people stopped making and we didn't do that. I'm proud we've gotten better yeah. in every aspect of mm-hmm. doing this. I'm proud that we've grown as people on mic, mm-hmm. both in terms of what we say and also just the amount of us that we're willing to bring into the room. Mm-hmm. And I think I say more things that I, one, know is factual and and or two, believe. (laughs) I think I said a lot of things that I didn't know if they were true and a lot (laughs) of things that I didn't know if I believed because either I heard them on another podcast, which I still do, but at least now I say that, or I just thought that that was what I was supposed to say. And that goes back to some of what we were talking about. And it's not that I'm in opposition or strong disagreement to those things, but I actually have a better sense of what I believe and I... Not to sound so cliche, but I think this is like your 20s, (laughs) Mm -hmm. is you figure out like, oh, actually, like, what is my sense of the world? Yeah. This other side of 25 is actually much better. Like... Like it's not it's not over. Yeah. But that that like seventeen to twenty five range for me personally, even though so much growth and accomplishment yeah. or mobility access happened, was like unbearable often. Yeah. Uh, and now there's you know, and I guess it could just be like some frontal lobe shit, but like I get upset at old people when they try to like <laughs> simplify it to that. But uh yeah, this other side of twenty five, I feel much more equipped to mm. be to be living. In an environment with human beings. Yeah, what are you proud of of the, the show? Who? I mean, to be straight, that we've reached our goals, you know, like, <laughs> which again means we need new goals. But it feels like when I move in space, the people who should be engaging what we're attempting to do or who we hope to benefit from it are receiving it and also are expressing value. <laughs> um, starting off, especially because like audio is not, not my my jam uh taking for granted or trying to pretend like people weren't listening or before people were actually like you know listening in consistent fashion um was like part of the approach but now owning and feeling responsible to like real community locally but then throughout the world uh you know there 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 is a respect and and i really value and, and, and proud of being respected by people 
who I respect, how, you know, how we, we collectively function yeah. in the world. Yeah, there were people in organizations that we were like lifting up mm -hmm. as like, y'all should hear about this, that now we are making things with. Yeah. It's less like showcasing what other people are doing right, and right, right, more right. collaborating to actually build the things rather yeah. than just talking about how great the things that are being built are. Yeah, this is a functioning entity. Yeah. Within, it's, it's, not a, it's not an observer of the entity or yeah. of other entities anymore. It is something that is, you know, moving. Yeah, people. and this becomes the work. Right. You know, in addition to other work. But I think at first, this was like a way to talk about the work. Yeah. And now this has become the work a lot yeah. more. Yeah, definitely. And that's been one of my goals is figuring out like, what does this show actually do? And mm. how do you make space for that to change and evolve as the needs change? You know, we always say that Grace Lee Boggs quote about like wearing your frameworks and your ideologies like a loose garment and letting mm. it fall. Mm. I should actually make sure that that's what she said because I quote her all the time. <laughs> See, I'm getting better. Uh, she, she made that point i yeah. don't know if that's the quote but she definitely made that point <laughs> to paraphrase um <laughs> there you go get your paraphrase oh i've been a i've, I've really slacked been on reluctant on your, your, your paraphrasing <laughs> i've just been phrasing <laughs> yeah you can't <laughs> what an ergo joke oh <laughs> it's, i god bless y'all are corny too y'all have been listening for 200 episodes <laughs> so, thing, so don't point the finger <laughs> The other thing I'm proud of is that we had our like initial little burst and we had our regular listeners. Mm -hmm. And then there was a period for various reasons. Some of it was, I think, just the frequency we came out and then also us not continuing to grow and evolve mm -hmm. where that those numbers dipped. Uh, and then we've built back up and found new people and found new ways to reach people mm -hmm. and engage them and bring them into the fold. Mm -hmm. And now we're higher than we were at the highest point before. And it's not all about just like, you know, forever growth. It's about the fact that Everything works in ebbs and flows, and we knew who we were. Then we had to figure out what it was again, and now we're in the next stage, so it makes sense more people. I'm just proud that we stuck it through to the point that we could bring new people in again and have this exciting thing to show them that wasn't just the beginning of an idea. Mm -hmm. Like that shows that's the value of that consistency is that we gave it the patience to evolve and to continue to evolve into something different that could bring new people in, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, on that note. <laughs> so so on the flip side, like what what are the struggles or what are the ways uh that you want to grow? How do we continue to make this something exciting and something that uh feels fresh for people? And also people, y'all can always comment and answer any of these questions. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> we love to hear what you what mm -hmm. you have to say. I want to interview more people who do more kinds of things. Yeah. We've cast such a wide uh, theory framework that mm -hmm. there's a lot of people I want to be talking to chefs and athletes and these are just jobs that I wanted as a kid <laughs> <laughs> or to be able to because you know we are in a radical progressive space right? yeah. so that's just a fragment of the population and so it would be cool to build up to a place where somebody from a like more normal position would want to come here right in the way that like when a republican goes to bill maher right like he's going to like engage that space and like yeah that is situated as that um and feeling value in like i'm either going to combat what's happening over there or i'm going to try to figure out a way to like tactfully align for, yeah. for benefit and so Ooh, you know, i don't know if we know how to do that yet though you might not. Do you think that we could, you know, all we have all this theory yeah, shit, but I don't like know who, if, we, if it sustains, if there's someone who we like structurally like, disagree with. Yeah. Like if Rom were trying, like, you know, we would say no to him, obviously. But who's an equivalent of something like that? 
or even like no couldn't say yes to lori without other organizational involvement or just someone who they're doing good work they don't think we so we've been in some of those not to air too much dirty laundry but Mm -hmm. like we've had conversations a couple that we haven't put out because we felt like we didn't stand by what the Mm -hmm. person said Mm -hmm. and because we are trying to create like human connective supportive mm-hmm, conversations mm-hmm. we didn't challenge directly yeah and there's like there have been plenty of times when we've disagreed with guests and asked yeah. them to clarify or push back but when it's just like fundamental ideas around mm. what's necessary to make the world more equitable right, right. and we just haven't been able to mm. figure out how to do that without it being like, two sides let me let me explain to you how your capitalist logic is flawed and no one wants to hear that <laughs> nah. shit as a guest or as an audience yeah. so we just don't put the we just haven't put those episodes mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. and i want to figure out a better way to do that because i think a good interviewer can talk to people they disagree with without removing their subjectivity right. it's like why journalists always say they're objective is because then they can talk to everyone right, right, in right. quotes but we've talked a lot about like why that's flawed mm-hmm. and everyone brings themselves to the story but how do you do that with people who you disagree with because humanizing doesn't mean complimentary yeah and, and that's why I think space is important, right? Like if this rings out beyond the circle or the proverbial bubble, if, if we have the space and then the rapport, mm-hmm. um, the reason why I like reference Bill Maher is because he's established, there is a respect right. that people go there to. So like, it's also part of his shtick, like where he can like kind of tell you to shut the fuck up. Um, and he's also like gotten he's super whacked. Worst. So I'm, <laughs> I grew yeah. up watching some Bill Maher, but I'm not shouting huh. out. Yeah, you know. It was the Bush era. Like, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> um, the, we did a lot of shit just because yeah, what else are you supposed to do? Yeah, there was no internet yet, you know? Uh, so HBO is as close as it gets. Uh, but if we had, th- it, you know, that would mean growth to a certain point of someone knew they were coming here to be challenged. Yeah. And, like, we could respectfully, subjectively, like, subvert. Because I think that's a great way to learn is to hear somebody say the antithetical and like be able to reconcile why it's contradictory. So I think that's that's a, will be a good place of growth of like maybe it's not personal, but being able to talk through people's contradictions. Yeah, from our perspective, as opposed to just like giving them the space to hopefully do that themselves. Because there's like disagreeing with someone's idea, mm-hmm. and then there's the personal aspect of those ideas being the fuel for fires that put your body in danger. Mm-hmm. How do you think you would do at being able to, if someone wants to live in the realm of ideas, mm-hmm. but what they're saying is the logics behind... Like fascism yeah. type shit. Because they all have logics. No one is... Yeah. Mass shooters have logics. Right, right, they're right. false logics mm-hmm, in mm-hmm, terms of mm-hmm. what is beneficial to people and mm-hmm. helps people live human lives. But mm-hmm. if that's not your goal, the logic checks out in a lot, not with all mass shooters, but with, you know... Fascism has a logic to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Right? So what do you do with people whose logics are sound but destructive? You know? Yeah. Um, and we've just skirted that by not talking to them. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that has to be filtered through power. Yeah. Um. So just like a, 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 a mouthpiece somewhere or somebody who pops off, I would probably just not disengage um, because I, because back to, you know, the origin of so much of this, like, real movement i've gone away in my thinking uh from contesting power we need to hold power accountable um or taking power to making and harnessing power shout out grace (laughs) uh and and so what that looks like is you know once you were trying to take power from somebody you want to make them look bad you want to like 
be in their face all the time, but realizing that this is a generational project of creating new people and new world and new structures. Uh, there's so much energy in dealing with the trauma of the people that I hurt. So like, if it is not a, a, um, for something explicit, I probably don't feel the need to engage now from this position of having heard and learned. I was like, cause I, cause I did engage them like passively or, you know, through content for a few years to really understand the argument or like, yeah. you know, once I was really tweeting on some BLM shit and was getting all the trolls and like having to really like think through and like write through past those logics. And then once I got that for myself and felt confident in it, um, <laughs> you know, I view humanity uh, much more or I strive to view it much more as a dance than a war. Um, so if you're trying to battle, I don't got time for that. You know, you're trying to break dance. Battle. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're trying to step up to the streets. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm trying to tango out here. <laughs> But it's positional. There we go. Here's, here's a much better answer. Now, if it's black men, for me, who are internally oppressing other black, or period, but right, yeah. but like a, a hyper-homophobic misogyny. Now, now, that's my space. That's my responsibility. Um, and that's what I'm like preparing myself to be able to do more proactively and not just like waiting for it to find my way. Um, so that, that, is, that is the distinction. Like, what is my work? Is a question that's like been being asked mm -hmm. a lot. Um, and, you know, everybody can't do all of the work and so what do you think the answer is right now and i'll answer for me too yeah I, I think it's relational so i think it is it is always so many of us are really good at critiquing the external structures and not looking at how we internalize them or what our own contradictions are and so finding where your own positional contradictions or limitations are and then working to struggle first internally and personally but then in those who you have relationship with yeah uh and so for me my contradiction is i want the, the liberation of people across the world but i benefit as a middle class you know cishet male american uh and so for for black men in america especially bougie ones uh <laughs> you know like you know it's one th that is <laughs> it's one thing if, if you know you, you are you know multiply surviving incarceration housing insecurity and you know school clothes right like you know the what gets like looked at as like the drill umbrella right like that's not my space so put the guns down that's really that really pisses me off but in the poet scene or in the movement scene or just like regular middle class parents, nine to five type grow yeah. up, went, had access to education. It is then my job to check you for your privileges that usually get discounted under the, I'm dealing with the struggle of, of, of black men and, you know, these women come and take all our jobs. Like that's, that is my space. Skirt. <laughs> yep. 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 Send me for that. I just want to give a really quick shout out to, uh, my friend, and I believe our friend, Dixon, <laughs> whose Twitter name is Put the Jerk Down, <laughs> which I just think is hilarious. Yeah, shout out Dixon. Dixon's funny. Dixon's so. funny as well. Yeah. I also like the I believe your friend. That, that was such a I, I know. make sure. I, I know David so well. Talking about like, wait, what <laughs> it's also like that great like Hollywood way of saying it's like, you know, my, my close and personal friend Dixon, who we both know. <laughs> um, I think for me, what I'm feeling like my work is right now is trying to get a wider array of people thinking about power and how they talk to each other. Mm, That's mm, the skill that I've spent yeah. damn near 10 years building. Yeah. You know, I've been making radio now for almost 10 years and that's what I feel like I have some degree of ability to stand on. Any and all people or is there a specific? I kind of feel like a really wide array right mm. now. Like it kind of is needed everywhere. Yeah. And I'm not saying that I can do it everywhere, mm. but I think 
you know, it's not a like hashtag resistance mm-hmm. job, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's a, I can be in a lot of different rooms and push people to engage how they think about power and how they relate to each other in ways that can have big ripple effects. Mm-hmm. And I also recognize that there are some places where power is needed, like in order to participate in jobs that I don't want to do, the people who do those jobs have to enact power over each other, right? Like in a negotiation, you're doing business, whatever, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's built in scarcity and yeah. it's built in So you are constantly asserting power in different ways. I'm really interested in trying to figure out how to encourage and teach those people to enact power when they need in ways that don't rely on structural racism and sexism. Mm-hmm. That seems not like my main job, but that seems like an interesting and useful mm-hmm. thing yeah. that can actually be rooted in liberatory work. Yeah. And you, I don't have to stay there, but I can pop and be like, hey, don't talk over people who are women in negotiations. Figure out other ways mm-hmm. to do business. Mm-hmm. Don't play on these tools that you know you have in your back pocket because of your advantage and privilege and or access. you don't know you have in your back pocket, but you're But I think a lot of these motherfuckers do. Yeah. They, they read, know they, they can get away. We, I mean, I know it. Books and shit. I know yeah. the moments where I know I can get away with some shit because yeah, 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 of yeah, my yeah. privilege. Yeah, yeah. They, and, they may not have the, the language that we... But they don't think it's because they think it's because they deserve it. That's maybe one into... Yeah, and they're supposed to. That's the entitlement that comes with it. But so that that feels like part, and that can happen in, you know, there's like the corporate shit. But I just mm-hmm. think even interpersonally in friendships, in relationships, in art communities, mm-hmm. and everywhere that I'm talking to people, I'm trying to figure out how to encourage them to actively listen to each other in ways that aren't just about I'm an individual, you're an individual, but like, hey, we're living, you know, we're swimming in this shit. Mm-hmm. So let's think about the strokes that we're using mm-hmm. and how do we not create waves that make the other person sink lower. Yeah. So yeah. to to uh also reiterate the the language I have for like what the space that I'm trying to push yeah. back bougie patriarchy. <laughs> so what are the other what are the other patriarchies? Um, <laughs> you're like I'm not. I can't. I gotta pick one. <laughs> Why well, the food's better yeah. in bougie patriarchy? <laughs> well, where I got that from, I was um <laughs> little ergo book list joint um harold cruz who's a re- was a really brilliant like analyst and like late mid well mid 20th century probably like post-world war ii up until like the 70s and he did a really good job of like what i'm talking about of, like internal critique of like black radical activity hmm. and basically the claim that he made was across the world but particularly in the united states context black movements for freedom have been led by the black bourgeoisie Right, and not as like a, a villainous like ah oh, we need to that's so scary. That's like, just a, we need like to, as a that's fact. just a, a fact. It has been the contestional response to bourgeoisie democracy of the last few centuries. Right, like that's what right. we're in right now is like the middle class, which was different from the ruling class, which was appointed then through the ownership of capital, basically took state power in different successions right right and so the response to that has been that there was also uh, internally within black spaces particularly in black america folks who had access to the institutions of that capitalist class and therefore in the middle and that's where you get martins and you know even you know fred hampton who grew up close to the streets had access to the naacp and all you know so th- that is always 
the the mm. space. Um, you know, W. B. Du Bois, yeah, or Booker T. Right, like and that's both not of them. something to demonize. No, but just the last hundred years, yeah. that's who it is. But it has also been hyper masculine too. Uh, and so you know, to what the other patriarchies are, I guess there's just general just patriarchy. Run of the mill. Yeah, yeah, just just run of the mill. <laughs> Meaning, uh, who's running the mill? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so yeah, that that is the like those two things because. You know, I also ground my my black radicalism in the hip hop tradition. And so it's all about material status and like domination and power. And so much of that is expressed in terms of gender balances. And so just intersecting those two things, because saying black liberation is super easy. Right. And even even, but saying anti-capitalism and anti-patriarchy or attacking bougie patriarchy is like a space that I haven't seen done Hmm. historically because they're the way. they're the ones that have to be the, like shit. I'm attacking myself. Yeah, stop hitting yeah, yourself. Yeah, stop yeah, hitting yeah, yourself. Yeah, stop yeah. hitting yourself. So, so yeah. that's the recap. Can I pivot to somewhere? Yeah, I want to go Dude. somewhere else. Can you add a pivot in post? Pivot. So here's my shout pivot. out pivot. As well. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Sam like a week or two ago. I just love those guys. They're going on tour. <laughs> we may talk to them again. We might not. We're happy for. They them. may not know that we do this, but just everybody go listen to the pivot tape and all the things that happen. It's they, damn good. They're the best. So here's my pivot. Pivot. <laughs> this literally came up because you said run of the mill, and mm-hmm. then I was thinking about my family, and that's a, a, I'm going to tell that story eventually. Yes. But I want to ask you about your family. Yes. Let's and one of the things talk. that we've talked about a lot, mostly off air, is the dislocations, relocations, reconnections, and emptinesses of our respective lineages. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think really what I'm asking, and this has nothing to do with the show, but it kind of does because the show is just us. What are you most curious to find out about where you come from in whatever way that means? Mm. Or some of the things you're curious about? I'm very curious about Afro-American indigeneity. Hmm. So one, you know, archaeological evidence now tells us that the norm of how we were taught about migration patterns throughout humanity is super limited to a point that it almost makes it false by like creating this narrative. Uh, So it is clear that whether through land masses or there were sea travel before we accredited to, which I believe there were African people in the Americas Hmm. for thousands of years. And then also the history of Marunage and like the intersection of like plantation resistance and native indigenous and, and, and uh, resistance. Um, and so just figuring out where that ties more in my legacy. Like, I don't know nothing besides the fact that somewhere people was in Mississippi, you know, in Alabama. <laughs> uh, and so that would be really great for me because, you know, James Baldwin said, you know, I read about them talking about the Indians and I realized the Indians were us. <laughs> uh, and so one, the fact that although there is a certain type of indigenous uh, identity that we think of that has been super marginalized and we like imagine that and the reality of that is like through the reservation uh, but it's much more expansive than just yeah. that experience uh, and so where am I connected to that um, and what then what is our true claim of this land is important to me and then you know I guess the rest of like the ancestry.com type shit even yeah. though that's a everybody needs to know this that shit is damn near a scam if you just do one so it's not mm. that they're giving you inaccurate information. It is just so minuscule to your entire genetic makeup 
that you need to be doing like seven different tests that all have different procedures. Also, don't do 23andMe and all the G- DNA one. They are literally selling your biological material. Yeah, that's not a that's not a conspiracy theory. It sounds it's like documented. one, but to the government one, but to pharmaceutical companies ah. for research. So don't do that. Right. Just be curious. Yeah. I was reading this article recently about, I think it was in Louisiana. They'd like known that there were people who had been living in the swamps. There were mm-hmm. stories about mm-hmm. a Maronage community there. But because it was so deep in the swamps, uh, they weren't able to do archaeology there. Like mm-hmm. it just wasn't possible. Mm-hmm. And then there was a guy, I think this article was on the Smithsonian website. There was an archaeologist who just for the last 20 years has been pursuing this and pursuing this. And there's this one spot in the middle of the swamp that's kind of like a mountain that raises out of it. Like it's Mm, solid mm, land mm. surrounded for miles and miles and miles by impassable wetlands. And there were, for hundreds of years, thousands of people living there. Yeah. These are the stories that we don't understand about Mm. where we collectively come from. And that, when you say it's more like complicating it, those people, that was not hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, <laughs> that was hundreds of years ago until like a hundred years ago. <laughs> Very recently. <laughs> and we have no language for that, mm-hmm. but that is the story of what this place is. The mm-hmm. layers of this land are so complicated yeah. and there's so much richness and there's so many stories like that. Yeah. I'm so, just from a curiosity standpoint and it's not even my people Uh, uh, (laughs) but it it was in certain ways like it's every it was everyone living there like and we and we need that knowledge that history fuck your diversity this was this was everyone people who had no other choice finding a way to live together and subsist grow food in the middle of the swamp and there were these stories that they would raid the industrial chicken farms and bring these chickens back yeah. and use those it's like this is the but, and we need that history of the land so that we can fully understand the history of our humanity because to try to like vocalize what what i feel in the movement spaces that i'm in is you know what these five to seven years yeah. have yielded is what we are pushing towards is now like a true claim and working out a plan to liberate the land, right? <laughs> like that, that is the message. And that is, you know, ending racism as this like abstract social structure, uh, addressing capitalism as this like historical mythology that doesn't even fully uh, address how oppressive economics work. Yeah, nothing's right? more impressed you know? than oppressing the land. <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah, and that was the first harm was when the relationship human beings had to the land and started to establish. And this is only like for the last 500 years um, of <laughs> being able to like have this dominance uh, that has been, had such destructive, depleting results. What started as don't kill us and the police are not what we think they are and should not be because it is not what we say it is, has now, like, I think, gotten closer to a tangible process of making a claim of this is how we should exist in this space. And we need to understand this space beyond the, like, myths of history yeah. in order to do that. Let's, let's, let's pivot, pivot one more let's, time. Let's, let's re-pivot. Pivot! There it is. <laughs> so we were lucky enough to get a few questions sent in Bypassed Ergo guests, thank you to all of y'all who sent your questions. We're going to run through a few of them. Yeah. Let's start with Brittany Blackrose Capri, who is an early episode mm-hmm. on the show. She's a poet and educator here in Chicago. And she asked, what skills do you have now that you wish you had when you first started the podcast? You want to give it a shot? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I think we spoke to some of it. I think there was a, a, a more authentic vulnerability. Um, I think we, we suppressed or hide or projected <laughs> through it first. And then I think when we um, first started learning to be vulnerable, we would be tongue in cheek or like try yeah. to like over joke it to like take something seriously. And then we could st- we still use humor uh, and like levity. Uh, but I think there's a more authenticity in terms of how we're able to be vulnerable, which then brings out vulnerability in guests. Um, and then for me, like articulating a plan out loud. And even if that it's not like hardcore, you know, there's a lot of times if people listen intently, I'm like, okay, I'm putting a pin in this. I have these three things yeah. I want to talk about. And like knowing, especially since we uh, are not constricted to an hour, um, that has allowed me to like build out the thread and be able to like, I think a lot of times what I've gotten good with is ending with a question connected to where we started, mm-hmm. which like gives it some symmetry and some narrative and some yeah. shape. Uh, and when it used to be just like trying to follow things that you and the guests said and then then it was an hour and we had to go and and like, just chasing let's it. let's play some r&b for an old school <laughs> song and get out of here uh but really yeah. giving shape um mm. of like oh this feels like where i want to end and i don't have to rush to get through it so vulnerability and like shape and being transparent about that shape yeah i'm not just like oh gotcha but it's like oh no this is where I, I want us to go i'm asking this question to get to some other point you know where i'm at we're kind of collaborating a little bit yeah how about you I got two. One, I wish I had more control of my voice when we started. Mm-hmm. I'm still working on it, but the like physicality of making words into a microphone is such a tricky thing. And you know, I don't hate listening to my voice just because I've had to do it so much editing yeah. stuff. But I still want to get stronger in that. Um, and then the other is just logistically. I wish I'd had any concept of how to make money off of this. <laughs> <laughs> Like, there's no reason why we couldn't have tried. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it would have made things yeah, a little easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's the answer to that. Uh, yeah, the voice thing is big. I think everybody should know. You want to, before I talk, you want to tell people a little anecdote about why? Oh, yeah. The reason why you think your voice sounds weird on a recording is because you don't actually hear your voice when you're talking in regular life. What you hear is the bones in your ears vibrating because you're talking out of your mouth. You're not sound, in front of the sound that. waves are going. It's physical. You can't be in front of that yeah. because it's coming out of you. So what you hear are the vibrations coming up your throat and vibrating uh, in your ears, and so that sounds different. It's an approximation. Your voice You're not really hearing yourself. So it's not that your voice on the recording sounds weird. It's that you don't sound like you think you sound. Yeah, and so to that, you know, knowing that actually, but then voice in the larger like human sense, mm. um, being comfortable with you like, in the larger human sense. <laughs> I think part of why I couldn't listen uh, is because I had a lot of. Uh, Unreconciled, like identity divergence. Hmm. That now I embrace that multiplicity. You mean from like a code switching? Yeah, yeah, and like even using that language because it's it's not always that. It is the fact that like I grew up in multiple environments at one time in a Hmm. way that like wasn't really possible in previous generations. Like either you kind of like out in the suburbs or you were like in the hood, and like I you know, growing up on the south side of Chicago, but having access to a lot of other spaces, uh, but never feeling separate from or fully a part of either, always felt insincere. Um, And so I think there are ways that like to make other people comfortable, I would speak more normative or to like sound, make sure my smartness is coming across. And then there are times... You know, just feeling like I'm bouncing off, but now feeling very comfortable, like within a conversation, within a question, within an answer, like being multiple, multiplicitous. Which is who you are. Yeah. yeah. And so that not not feeling like an imposter or feeling off 
count because of yeah. that feeling invalid. Uh, a little follow-up kind of yeah. question that we ask a lot of people that I think is definitely, and thank you, Brittany, for that question. Thank sure. you for all that you do and, and have done for our community. Um, we ask our guests to go back to like adolescence, hmm. like 15, 16-year-old <laughs> themselves, uh, and, and what is the advice, what is the teachings they would offer to that person, not only for self-reflection, but that's also something really good for our audience to hear. Because if you can explain something to a 15 or 16-year-old, most people who hear this will be able to grasp it. So for you or for us, yeah. what, 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 what would we say to 15, 16-year-old kissing dame? It's not natural to be uncomfortable. Mm. It's okay, but you don't just have to accept anxiety mm-hmm. and fear and the worry. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time feeling that way and just assuming that that was how things were. Mm-hmm. So I would say, like, you're not going to get away from that, but you don't have to just accept that there's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. How about you? It's funny, as I started listening, <laughs> I realized... Like, this is a weird going back to the future type of thing. Uh, and so, like, there's a possibility that if I went back to my 15, 16-year-old self, the show wouldn't exist because <laughs> I probably wouldn't have went to Grinnell. <laughs> um, Shit, uh, what else would I be doing? Yeah, but, but like, that aside, like, the changing the future aside. Um, <laughs> I just made that about me. <laughs> um, definitely, I think, this feels corny, uh, or, like, cliche Damon, but uh, I, I wish I had access to structure one internal structure well i had access to structure but like a structural analysis so knowing that things are not just like random or individual or i think i internalize a lot of anti-blackness in the way middle class black folks do of oh we need to figure out how to better participate in capitalism and look at how every other community is better which like implies some pathology that we're like working out or some ignorance and so expanding my notions of inequality and learning more about how racism is operating in contemporary form then led me to see the world as interlocking structures. And like having a structural analysis is basically, which I call radical. Um, Being radical is like at the core of me and seeing the roots of things and seeing the the shape of things and not taking things for granted. Uh, So whether it's the dollar, whether it's the political system, whether it's, you know, cable news, knowing that that is a structure that has a certain amount of processes. And most of these things are things that people created. Uh, And if I would have had that at 15 and 16, um, you think you would have been happier? That's my fear. Because when I see teenagers, I'm I'm like, ah, shit, some of that naivete would help me skate through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I probably would have got depressed way earlier. (laughs) And then obviously uh, being more artistically intentional. Yeah. yeah. Uh, You know, because I saw myself as an athlete and because I just took things that came my way. I did not pursue craft that I like subliminally knew was there. Um, and was like working a little bit with the homies, but was never intentional, was never like guided, was never given any type of like access to the traditions or the technology and, of it. Yeah. And so I wish I was more aware of, of my creative artistic side and like been intentional because if I would have had experience by the time I started, um, I think I would be now where I saw myself hmm. or what I've yearned for myself as an artist. Word. Let's go to another question. Yeah, I love this. Next up is a question from Lior Galil, music writer at the Chicago Reader, an Ergo alum. 
I loved his episode. He told us a story about some an artist that he had like found a flyer on the train floor. Oh yeah, yeah. He found him like in a bookstore. Yeah, that yeah. was a good story. Go back and listen to that. But here's his question for us. Hey guys, this is Lior Galil from the Chicago Reader. Uh, what I wanted to know is how has doing Ergo helped you broaden your understanding of Chicago, and how has it helped you figure out what it means to be a participant in the communities that you recognize yourself being a part of. Um, yeah. Hope you're doing well. Congrats on 200 episodes. Cool. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> Shout out to Lior and the reader. Thank you for all that y'all do. I think one thing that I've learned from doing the show is to try to actually nail down what I mean by community. Yeah. Man, that's what I was going to. I've never been someone who like feel like I had a crew mm-hmm. in the times that I did. I like didn't trust them. <laughs> I was like, this isn't the crew I want. <laughs> this is the crew that wanted me. Um, and so I think there was some desire, at least initially, to like be in the crew, mm-hmm. whatever that crew was. Mm-hmm. And it seemed so cohesive. And so what I've found is that the community that I want exists in Chicago, but it doesn't have a name. It's not a renaissance. It's not a movement. It's a group of people from various parts of my life who I feel connected to and I feel like love me and care about me. And that is my community. Like Mm -hmm. I don't have to name it and podcast it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like those are the people who, and sometimes they come together and sometimes they don't. But that is my actual community. And I learned that by realizing all the things that weren't my community and all the people who I admired and felt connected to and wanted to know, but who didn't become the people who I embrace, mm-hmm. which is kind of a shitty lesson. But it felt it, it feels good to know who actually I am in community with. Yeah. It's hard to answer a lot of these questions because um, for me, like ergo and just other movement work organizing like the timelines overlap and like I've learned the things together. And Mm -hmm. so, but in this time, I didn't really like have a real respect for the, the neighborhood thing, how much of a neighborhood city Chicago is. I wasn't really (laughs) aware of that. It was much more South side, North side. This is such an interesting thing. Like I did this, I worked at Chaitin Lit Fest. Sorry to interrupt you. And one of the like things when people signed in, it was all teens at the library was like, what neighborhood do you grow up in? And all the North side kids knew and none of the South side kids knew what neighborhood they yeah. lived in. They knew their inner side. They, I live right. by blank. Right, right, right. So is that just not true that people identify across the city by neighborhoods? Uh, well, a big part of it is real estate marketing. Mm-hmm. People who are probably most intentional about creating uh, a neighborhood are trying to distinguish themselves and therefore their property value. Go read uh, Battle of Lincoln Park by Ergo Alum Daniel K. Hertz for bang. some background on that. Uh, so yeah, I think that's a part of it. Like on the South side, you might have Inglewood and then like High Park is the inverse of that. But outside of that, it's like Hunnett's 79th, you know. Right. It's much more street-based. Yeah. Um, but or, or what side of the city. And then our neighborhoods are, are not formalized, right? Like, hmm. so you're not going to see K-Town on the, map. on the map, right? Uh, <laughs> That's a very specific map. <laughs> yeah, or, or low-end. The right? only maps that you'll see that on are probably, like, maps criminalizing people there. Right, right, right. So so K-Town, low-end, the hundreds, um, North Pole, right? Like, yeah. Like, that's the way uh, we think. So I didn't have that perception. And then I didn't realize... Probably the, the effect of, of transplants on the city. Hmm. Uh, I think, you know, hearing you talk and talk to people about that, like, that's not something I really 
perceived. I guess I have the image of like people going to New York or going to LA and outside of that people just move. Um, but, like, <laughs> <laughs> but people coming to Chicago and then what this does to them and, and how the city transforms people. That's also like a phenomenon of your lifetime. Like within the, like it has happened in the past, mm. but there were like people who like migrated here, right, right, but then right. people, there were people who transplanted here, right, but they right. didn't really do that. People with means didn't do that in numbers until we were alive. Or, or true. Or maybe true. <laughs> I heard it on the podcast. Yeah, word, I heard okay. it on this podcast. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, and then like on the interpersonal, right? Because I don't know if this is like confidence in me or like love of people. Uh, but we started the show with like people that we know or people that we trust or people that we thought we would have a rapport with. And as we expanded to kindred folks who yeah. there may have been some acquaintance or we've been in the same rooms or like I might show up and you might have booked what we got on and I didn't really know them at all. And feeling the space for like love and solidarity and how many people like I shake up with or show love or, or have, you know, dapped up um, that I would have perceived differently right like hmm. i would have been intimidated by or comp- competing with or feeling to, on yeah. the outside is there any example of someone like you don't have to share if you don't want but <sighs> you know i'm thinking like on the rapper side like kari from hurt everybody yeah, yeah. or uh you know i knew monty jordan but definitely like being able to like express respect at length uh or even like rich jones which was which was really funny because he doesn't know this. I don't even know if I told you this. I might have told you. Uh, but we were at HBK when we had Rich on. And shout out to Rich. I see him all the time. Yeah, he's yeah, like, he's, he's super dope. Uh, but for some reason, I thought you had said Rich Wallace. And so I went downstairs, like, expelled. Like, oh, yeah, I'll go get him. And I was like, oh, shit, this is a totally different Rich. And so I had, like, all these other questions playing. And I played it off because I was embarrassed because I was like, oh, this is my fault. I should have definitely known this. <laughs> but, but, but seeing... We've gotten out of it, but there's like a home of the haters language that like Chicago has grown out yeah. of. And so I think I, I had a lot of protection for myself because I felt like. Hmm. And so feeling how willing people are to be loving and communal and the fact that, you know, Lior is a great example. Like when I see Lior, it is a right. lot of love. Yeah, there's some good, there's some nice people here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like really just kind, yeah. generous Outside people. of the work. Just nice people. Yeah. Thanks, Lior. Yeah, Let's get to our two last questions. Cool, cool. This next question is from Ergo alum Bria Royal. Yes. The incredible visual artist Mm -hmm. and just gem of a human who, Mm -hmm. fun fact, let me stay in her apartment with Rosie when we visited LA. Shout out. That's why I actually do this show. (laughs) I just want more places I can stay. So if y'all could just transplant somewhere else uh, then I can go sleep on your couch, that'd be great. Here's Bria's question. What's up, Ergo Radio? This is Bria Royal. Damon... Daniel, I hope you're both doing really, really well. My question is about social media. There's been kind of this shift recently in people looking at social media as this really great thing for people from underrepresented groups to get an audience. But now we see that hate groups are also benefiting from these platforms in the same way. So my question is, do you all see social media as a net positive or detriment for either your work or just movement work in general. Thanks. I will see you all super soon when I'm back in Chicago. Peace. So one of the things that we say here when we're just talking about media in general is that media means medium, which means in the middle. Mm -hmm. So it's the tool by which two people are connected 
or three people, guest, host, listener, but it's just what lives in the middle that enables mm-hmm. that connection to happen. So I think my answer is it's neither good nor bad. It's just a tool. Same way like a hammer can be used to build a house or to hit someone over the head with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I think it goes to something I said earlier. We are in a crisis of communication. People have no idea how to communicate their needs to each other. Mm -hmm. They have no idea how to see the humanity in somebody else. And they have no idea how to engage in dialogue. And these tools are not built for communication in any way that actually resembles two people talking to each other. Not to go too far down this road, but like... A PC is built to resemble a filing cabinet. Mm. Like it's a file inside a file. They look like files. We call them folders. It's built to resemble like a a desktop, Mm. the top of your desk. A Mac's a little different. That's like part of why iPhones are more intuitive than Androids is because it's built more closely to our brain. Mm. But we end up replicating. Kiss with the anecdote. (laughs) (laughs) But we end up replicating human systems in our technology, and then we think that the things we do as a result of that are because of the technology, Mm -hmm. but we made the technology to mirror things that we'd already built. Mm -hmm. So because culturally we don't have language around communication and we haven't taken on the project of reconciling great structural and interpersonal harm, the tools that we have don't address those things either. Mm And then, no shit, people are going to do those things again because we haven't done anything to address them. So social media is the tool. It can be used for whatever it's used for. It's had good effects. You know, this is the cliche part. is like it's enabled, you know, mm-hmm. to rear square, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. also the rise of the art, right? It's like, yes, these are powerful tools, but I, I, I just think the medium is never the point. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think? I, I really like the way she framed the question, the distinction between for our work, like this show, hmm. and then overall. Uh, so I think definitely for our work, it is it is super beneficial because it might not be effective communication, but it is by far the most effective way to engage people mm-hmm. in human history. We don't have any documentation of anything nearly as effective as this. So even the last, you know, six to nine months or so, well, almost a year probably, of having Davon on and like creating the audiograms and there being different like textures of how people can see the show or, you know, engage the show. I definitely feel that having impact. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think without resources right now, we are solely dependent on it in terms of, yeah. you know, I mean, I think even you can consider podcast, the podcast yeah. apps to be social media, yeah. right? So SoundCloud, iTunes, all of that stuff you can upload and engage and comment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, you know, it is certainly something we benefit from. I do obviously agree uh, with the, sh- like the objective structural analysis of media and medium. Uh, but I think in practice and an impact uh, there is certainly a harm now. So it's similar, I think to the trajectory of television, except it's gone like way quicker. So like <laughs> for the first, even though it was always complicated for the first 20 or so years, television provided humanity with a consciousness that was not possible and so like when we talk about the show of like man how was the the, the panthers or how you know why, why am i seeing eldridge cleaver and huey newton get into it on Oscar, national yeah. television right yeah. like where was that access from why you know these images of direct action these images of the the, 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 the war, carnage of war yeah. right like and then it got controlled and corporatized and i think that like 20 year 
golden age it's kind of like a two-year you know like the momentum of it is so much more intense uh so obviously you know social movements and so much of the organizing i've been able to be a part of was started literally on these platforms and i think more than you know the anti-oppressive versus the counter-revolutionary or i call them pro-oppressive <laughs> <laughs> little dichotomy we have going online i think that's all right right like that's neither here nor there really to be honest like they're going to do their shit um and immobilizing is unfortunate but like that is that makes historical sense why i think it is harmful is neither of those it is the the <laughs> the corporate control of it uh dr jared ball who's dope from like the dmv area black thinker was like one of the first people who i heard say this is the fact that now information that feels organic or feels populist is being controlled and curated in such a way that you don't realize you're getting facilitated information. Yeah. Um, and then the results of it are being calculated and used and scientifically like formulated to then address human consciousness and behavior is harmful and really scary. And I think, you know, the, the Trump hysteria, which like I'm not for, I think it, a lot of the Russia shit was like scapegoating in a way to be continue to be apolitical yeah. i think the political concern there is not that it was a foreign nation and upholding these like competitions of nation state and nationalism it is the fact that any entity like especially if you see like the great hack uh was able to exploit such a unpolitically educated populace right, right. like like the fact that a few memes can change <laughs> you know or, or yeah. a few videos in a row can change people's whole worldview to a point of like ultimate violence yeah is more of a concern concern of how we structure our society. And so the fact that these platforms can now dictate but also exploit the real limitations that we have means that we have to figure them out so much quicker. Yeah. Because as, you know, elections are a thing, but like as we continue to go through those cycles, we don't have as much time as we would have if it wasn't for this tool to like rectify some of the ways in which we are harmful. So yeah, I think we need to be really like careful. Not also like, oh, protect your data. Like I'm not as worried about like that because like that's just kind of the reality of the world. Like we are being surveilled. Information is being shared. It's just the fact that they have it and then hoard it, right? Like the fact that it is not a two-way street. Okay, you collect information, but I should be able to access that right. as opposed to it being this commodity that is privatized yeah. and used in this like weaponized way. So yeah, that's my big answer to it. Follow us on Twitter. There you go, <laughs> All right, let's get to our last question. This one comes from Ergo alum, the homie, Ellen Mayer. Hey guys, it's Ellen, a former Ergo guest and longtime fan of the show. My question for you is kind of coming from my own perspective as someone kind of operating in a similar space of what I kind of call movement media. For me, I a lot of times get caught up kind of second guessing my own work and wondering, is this worthy? Is it actually useful? Am I somehow doing harm in a way that I didn't intend? Am I really living up to my values in this work? And I'm curious to know if you guys have ever encountered those kinds of questions and doubts and just how did you work through that? Do we ever have questions or doubts? Nah. <laughs> Twenty. <laughs> As a dedicated listener, have you been listening? We we do nothing but doubt. <laughs> we are the doubters. Welcome to doubts. Yes. No. Thank you so much, Alan. Appreciate you for all the work that you do in the world, but then also the way you show up for us. Probably 
one of the most tangible supporters by far. For sure. What it got me thinking about was a moment of crisis in conversation that we had. Not crisis, but it felt like it to me. <laughs> a few weeks ago, we were meeting around an upcoming project. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, some of it was the insecurities that I talked about at the beginning around future work and all that stuff. I was just feeling like the idea of movement media being where we live in this felt restricting. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel liberating to me to get to make that. It felt like I was walking around scared I was going to hurt someone or offend someone. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sure which of those it was because offend someone I care a lot less about than hurting someone. Mm -hmm. But just in my life, that's who I am is I like am terrified of hurting people. Mm -hmm. And we had a good conversation about it and it got to some of that stuff of like, this is the work. Yeah. Like, and that is movement doesn't mean activism. Movement right. doesn't mean organizing. Right. Movement means the tidal wave mm -hmm. from a tidal wave to a trickle. It means the movement toward mm -hmm. liberatory action yeah. and a world that is more yeah. free. Yeah. Collective action with direction. So that I could live with. <laughs> um, and, you know, for whatever reason, it actually hasn't been that much a concern with this show for mm -hmm. me. The rest of my work I haven't known, but I've felt pretty steadfast that, like, we were doing a useful thing, mm -hmm. both for us and for our world. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's ego, but I, I felt I, I haven't really been that worried about like and some of that is we haven't made a lot of compromises we mm -hmm. have been independent up until this point in every damn way so that we never had to ask those questions yeah. but yeah i just actually haven't worried that much about it with this yeah i mean I, and because I, I knew you would point out if there was a point that i wasn't seeing mm, yeah. i trusted you yeah that. yeah i think i think we have each other's back and i think that's one of the benefits is, is partnership yeah and i think all of the best work uh, and this is also a cliche, but like has been rooted in healthy relationships and we've, we've really developed that. So, so that helps to that. But it's funny, as I look back at some of those moments of unsuredness, I've never really feared being harmful anything we were actually doing, but whenever we waffled, um, it felt like that always was a point of strengthening. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm thinking not only to a couple of weeks ago and, you know, hopefully we'll be able to talk a little bit more transparently about what happened. Cause I think it's actually really valuable and there's like work, uh, that's coming out. So hopefully we'll, we'll get something to folks yeah. so they can know what that means. Uh, but at the, the top of the year around the surviving loudly mm. and R. Kelly moment, for those who don't know, uh, after the R. Kelly docuseries aired, there was then a moment of like Chicago, like my age group, right? Like basically 20 to 30 year old, tw the 20 somethings, right? Yeah. Late teen, 20 somethings. Uh, there was a, a, a moment of like triggered response that led to then a naming of how particularly men in artistic and movement spaces have been harmful, have committed acts of gendered and sexual violence and specific men and specific men. people yeah. and then it was also connected to a lot of the spaces that we uplift and herald and you know work to make sure that we don't but can sometimes get close to like idealizing mm -hmm. and so in that moment now i might be getting confused because i think even before that we were talking about having a conversation yeah about, no we had yeah yeah so even my timeline's messed up before that all came out there was something just like kind of in the personal networks of it feels like we could be in a space, particularly as, you know, cishet men uh, to have conversations of more like public facing accountability. Because one of the harms that I've noticed is 
because often to protect the process or because we are just ill-equipped, um, things do not happen transparently yeah. and the larger community that are affected by harm because harm is an individual then don't have any access to any of the responses so it looks like non-response which then is a secondary harm and so i've watched that now a few times kind of like bubble and explode and so wanting to create space uh, but then also not wanting to recenter or re-trigger or just be inappropriate. Um, and so going through that conversation of how do we want to address it? What is our space? What would be the work we would need to do to do that in an ethical, honorable way, hmm. uh, I think was was a place of growth. And then prepared us, I, I think, for when the Surviving Loudly moment happened yeah. of what should we do? We like we weren't scheduled to record that day. We like dropped our day and like came in and talked for a few hours. It, it traveled in a way that I... I did not expect or yeah. got a lot of response from. And that was really scary. There was like throughout it, we were trying to like name like, hey, we might be being limited and harmful in how we address this. We might have been complicit or passive. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, leading up to it. The, we, there have been several people on our show who we've who showcased named, and celebrated yeah, yeah. who have been named as harmful. Yeah, yeah. In many ways. Yeah, and so not <laughs> running from that yeah. um, and, and not excusing the harm, but also then trying to model you know, what does relation or community or, or restoration or repair or transformation look like in just how we see ourselves connected to that? Um, so whether it's somebody we have closer relationship to or not, just talking through that, I think, was a real moment yeah. of provocation. But also, I feel like that was probably one of our stronger moments, even though there were limitations to yeah. it. And I don't know how tangibly, but I feel that it, it has made us stronger since and we have been better uh, from from that. Yeah, that got me thinking about two other examples where we broke format mm. that I'm really proud of. One is there is an episode, episode 53, that is just called Freedom Square uh, that is recorded there. Yeah. And it's instead of one long form episode, it's the two of us talking. And then just I interview three or four other people who are involved. And it was the first time that I'd really that I'd really cut things up that way mm -hmm, in terms mm -hmm. of audio and, mm -hmm. and tried to kind of make this little collage. And I'm sure if I went back and listened, I'd cringe at the editing <laughs> of it now. But I'm really proud that that exists. And mm -hmm. it felt like, again, there, I, there are many things that I can do, but that's the thing that I want to bring to the table is mm -hmm. that tool. Mm -hmm. And that felt like an example of doing that. And then the other one is, it's another one actually that you're not in, <laughs> um, is after I went to Standing yeah, Rock with yeah. your sister, uh -huh. We just sat down and talked about it for an hour. And, you know, those are the two most formative experiences in my life mm -hmm. of the last four years mm -hmm. that we've been doing this show. And I'm just grateful to have had the tools to record the ways that I was challenging myself at this point in my life mm -hmm. and to model that. Because yeah. that's all I can ask of an individual mm -hmm. is keep challenging yourself and don't get complacent and love yourself, but don't assume that you understand who you are mm -hmm. there's always room to keep pushing your levels of comfort and it doesn't have to all be like from the root up but just don't take for granted how the world has to be and how you have to be yeah. and keep challenging that and so i'm really grateful to have those two examples of it and i look forward you know at some point to going back and listening to yeah, those yeah, and being yeah. like the shake in my voice <laughs> right means that I was doing something worthwhile mm -hmm. for the world and just for me as a person. It's almost like the, the shaking your arms doing that last push-up. Exactly. It's like, 
getting stronger is the hardest thing. Yeah, like personal stage, right? Like yeah. I wasn't afraid of the stage, but I was afraid of like who I was going to be yeah. in the next stage. You were carrying so. a, a heavier load than you were used to. Yeah. So those are moments where I'm grateful to have had this. And I think it served an important role, both for people like in the moment, but then also, you know, we keep talking about this archive. I hope that's useful. Yeah. Future listeners, 20 years from now, I hope, I hope you're happy. <laughs> <laughs> or, or alive. <laughs> hope you can breathe. Hope they made AirPods that float underwater. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm just grateful for you. And yeah. I'm grateful for this thing we keep yeah. making together. Thank you so much for everything. Right back at you. I'm excited for the next stages as this moves towards hopefully being a thing that we're no less passionate about, but is less of just a project mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and is more of something that we can An entity. stand behind. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think, you know, what would be a true, not a true success, but what would be a great success is in the same way, you know, so Miriam Kaba's episode, the first one, 29, right? I believe so, yeah. Um, I'm getting sloppy. <laughs> but, the, but I had a suggestion, I'm pretty sure that oh, one. Oh, yeah. Um, has had like, maybe the most notable like travel and impact of any yeah, of I mean, it got played on a prison radio show in Canada. Right, right. Like they broadcast that in a prison. And so the way that a Project Nia and Chicago Freedom School and We Charge Genocide made possible and birthed a Black Lives Matter Chicago, a Good Kids Mad City, a BYP 100, you know, a Let Us Breathe Collective and a Sada's Daughters and so much more, or, you know, YCA and Kumba Links, and then you yeah. get, you know, independent artists from Chicago that are globally yeah. traveling. Um, I, you know, if Ergo could do that for media dialogue, facilitation, space, and there'd be, hmm. there'd be you know, we talk so much about lineage and legacy, uh, but, but there'd be people who explicitly see this as a lineage and legacy they're trying to continue would probably be, you know, the ultimate prize. Whether that is connected to us and something that we are facilitating and like Ergo becomes more than a podcast and like some type of network building, or if it just exists and it affects and impacts and yeah. helps shape people to, to, to continue what we've tried to build is really an exciting possibility, which feels more and more likely with some of the outer work that we're doing off mic. Last question. Yes. I agree, by the way. <laughs> Last question. Who's one person who's dead who you would have loved to have on the show? <sighs> well, very realistically, yeah. um, I have two. Uh, definitely... John Wald of Pivot. I jokingly talk so much about Pivot. Uh, and he's the one of all the guys that, like, I had the closest rapport with, would hit him up, would, you know, he would look out for me type mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, and then also, uh, the Let Us Breathe Collective just lost Aaron Cooper. Um, hmm. and so it would have been really great to, to have had documented her spirit and have some of her words. So those two contemporarily, uh, definitely historically, uh, Fred Hampton and Grace. Well, actually, Grace and Jimmy Boggs together. I would love to see their dynamic. Oof, even that's though, a podcast. Even though Grace is a different Grace once he passed. Like, she was yeah. able to become what she is, like, now known as once that space was more available. Um, so maybe three then. Fred Hampton, Grace and Jimmy, and then, like, Grace Lee Boggs. Grace, Grace returns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, how about you? Bernie Mac. Oh, man. 
I just think that would have been the most fun hour of my life. Yeah, man. It's it's, it's so for everybody who don't know, I, it's weird to talk about. My dad's a comedian. He traveled on the Kings of Comedy tour, and Bernie is the one that my father actually had the closest relationship. With. He he was his big homie for real, for real. Uh, and he's the only one that I didn't meet because he was so kind of like recluse. He wasn't out and about all yeah. the time, so we just didn't run into each other. So I was only in a room with him one time, but he was like he snuck out, and nobody knew he was there. Only me and my dad knew he was there, and he snuck out for. Me. He was able to say hi, mm. so I didn't even get to meet him, and so. That would have been great. I agree. Shout out to Bernie Mac. So you can't win them all. Yeah. And the fact that like he's seen as, because he's such a, just a presence, like he's seen as one of the greatest comedians of all time. And there's only about like 45 minutes of his standup. That's why we need the hour. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> There's only like two the sets. There was like yeah. a Def Jam set and he closed the King of Comedy. But that's not even a full special. That's, yeah. you know, you're on a concert show with four other comedians. And so the fact that was such limited time and then he never, until like the end of his career, like starred in movies either. Right. Shout out to Bernie Mac. Shout out to Bernie Mac. <laughs> good, good job. It's one thing good, you take. You're, you're, you're clever. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, a compliment. We can pack this whole show up. Um, Damon, thanks for everything. Thank you, man. We're going to keep you going. Work, you work really, really hard. And, Thank you. And, you know, I think the world sees it and is starting to recognize it. And uh, everybody, man, pay, pay Daniel to, to make a podcast, <laughs> actually. And pay us uh, to come to yeah. your university, your yeah. uh, institution, your company your organization to teach you how to talk to yeah, each other in a way that centers each other i can humanity. help you with a concept i can help you like do it and facilitate but like making it and putting it out to the world and the actual production uh he you know he's a powerhouse in it and 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 if y'all want to do it hit him up and give him some resources if you got it we're also going to start uh taking audience questions yeah, more and more like so that. you can always email us any questions you have at ergoradio uh, gmail.com or DM it to us. Um, we're also going to start posting a thing when we know who the guest is going to be on Instagram with the like ask us a question feature and you can submit a question for us to share with a guest. And if it's a good enough question, we might actually ask yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, buy your t-shirts, book us, bring us to your place, check out our Ergo reading list and all the other shit we do at ergoradio.com. And then here's, here's the favor I'm actually going to ask. Tweet at us your favorite or one of your favorite episodes just uh, let us know what you loved yeah and uh, that would mean a lot also come to the live shows oh yeah we're doing much more of that there's gonna be other, the next one in september other big things in the works we're not going to talk about it yet we've been teasing these for like a year yeah, now yeah. it's getting and there. then and then also in this moment of like celebra- celebration and reflection i also have to honor the the work of the let us breathe collective obviously for folks who are like deep in tune know that, that that is central to my life and something i'm really proud of but it, it is so much greater than me or so much greater than mm-hmm. even me and my sister and you know the three or four people that you know have been visibly associated it's been hundreds if not thousands of people that have been able to make this work happen over the last 5 years and so to have be able to be able to sustain as a you know volunteer organization who has not intentionally fundraised since we started with a with a, a GoFundMe account to go to Ferguson to be able to to operate in the space that we are and the programming that we've been able to do and the the relationships that we have now um, is really really valuable and I'm really proud and excited so I just want to document as we are celebrating 200 years we are also celebrating I mean 200 episodes we're, we're acknowledging 400 years but that's <laughs> that's a whole, that's other a whole other podcast, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been five years uh, since we lost Mike Brown so rest in peace and five years since the uprising of Ferguson which means that the organization Let's Breathe Collective is five years old and my hair is five years long it is five years long yeah you can like see the years yeah, and you it. can see all the stuff we're talking about is like I'm wearing on my head Ha, 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 ha.
<laughs> Thank you to the almost 200 people who have come on the show also. Yes, yes. Check out. Oh, fuck. I was ready to say peace. <laughs> I just want to keep going. Yeah, yeah. I'm still excited about this. Yeah. There are projects that it's not a failure to stop doing, but I don't want to stop doing nah, this. And we're not done. Yeah. So, you know, to, to the ch- kind of uh, inverse of the, the check-in, we are world makers. And so how, how are we treating the world? We are making it. And something I've thought about recently is this is a space. Uh, and so we, we use the language of creating space, making space, operating in space. Uh, and space is an expression of time. And time is an expression of space. Think about all the hours that we've been on here, all the people that have listened. That is a time that would not have existed. And so I'm very proud of, of the time that we've made. We'll be back next week with another person reshaping the culture of our city making time, making space for the more equitable and creative. Much love to the people. Peace. Ah, damn, I forgot to do my Fresh Prince joke. Hey, Dame. What's up, Kiss? I want you to meet my friend Miriam here. Hey, Miriam, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Miriam is my oldest friend in the world. The whole world. And she is a devoted podcast listener. Are you? I am. Oh, well, that's love. I don't even just, I don't mean our podcast, I just mean podcasts in general. Okay. I love podcasts. How, how do you usually find your podcast? What do you listen to them on? <sighs> the iTunes mm. app. Yeah, I know. Very basic. You're not thrilled with it? <sighs> it isn't the best. Well, the good news is we actually have a recommendation for you. Oh, yeah? Well, Ergo is sponsored by Overcast. It's an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. Man, it's for the people. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls. Just a great podcast app for everyone. Get it free in the App Store where you get all the other things. That yeah. You, you going to check it out? Sounds amazing. Cool. We won you over. Look how effective this ad is. <sighs> yeah. Pay, pay us more money, folks. <laughs> that's that's advertising in action. You see? It works. <laughs> see, that's how good we are at selling We're things. doing this. Hey, yo, Harold, hit me up, man. I am an advocate and I can market your stuff because look how great we just marketed Overcast. We just gave an ad for them and an ad for us. I think it's time to get the fuck out of here. Let's do it. <laughs>